sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, let's get back to these phone lines, and let me hit line number two there and say good morning, John. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well. It is a gorgeous morning out there. Yes, sir, it is. Wind could be, I could do without the wind, but it'd be all right. <laughs> well, given the choice, I think we all would just as soon have uh, no wind. But, man, to get this kind of temperature and a uh, bright sunny day after a good rain yesterday, I do feel sorry for the folks that got caught underneath the bigger hailstones but uh very much localized areas and anyway it's just a beautiful sunday yes sir uh three quick questions okay uh first one um i want to i got a section in the yard that gets morning sun then there's a big oak tree where it doesn't get in the the, like direct sun in the middle of the day and then it gets afternoon sun i want to put a raised bed right there okay um should i make it out of I want to use treated wood, probably going to be 2x6s or 2x12s. I'm not really sure on the depth. Should I go with the 2x12s or should I use the 2x6s? That is totally up to you. Now, what are you planning to grow in this raised bed? Uh, Probably tomatoes, squash, uh, cucumbers, and okra. Let me make a suggestion to you, and that is because even though they don't have the arsenic in the treated wood anymore, they've still got some pretty nasty chemicals in there. And the bottom line is that stuff rots. I'm replacing treated wood boards, deck boards, and uh, posts for fence posts, six-by-sixes, that I put in five years ago, and they've already rotted out. I would suggest either go with cinder blocks instead of wood, or if you want something that looks like wood but lasts forever, look into using Trex. Um, I I know you can get it wider, but I usually use the 1x6 Trex. I've got Trex boards that are 20 years old, and they look exactly the same as the day that I purchased them. You can cut them with your regular carpenter saw. I use more screws than nails, but you can do it either way. And you're going to avoid the chemicals, and um, I probably... If if your soil's real poor and rocky, I'd go 12 inches deep. Uh, if your soil's reasonably good, uh, one board, six inches is all you're going to need. But uh, um, don't, of course, pile soil up around the trunk of the tree. But if this, uh, if this raised bed garden is going to be out toward the periphery of the canopy, you should do just fine there. Yeah, it's going to be, well, the tree is on the neighbor's side of the fence. Oh, I got you. It just (laughs) overhangs over my whole backyard. Well, (laughs) if you need to do a little bit of pruning, be a good neighbor and tell them what you're going to do. But the fences that are extended over your property, uh, um, you have every right. And, of course, you know, do it right, as I know you would, uh, paint the cuts and all. But uh, don't let that tree cheat you out of some good tomatoes. But, uh, no, you should be just fine there. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, no, I don't. That tree is the only shade I have in the backyard, so I leave it alone. I have to duck all the time when I'm mowing the yard. It's a good uh, problem to have. Yes, sir. The other question I was going to ask you, and I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it. I don't hardly use it. I just, I listen to you all the time, and I started doing the organic thing, and I good. seen that commercial with, uh, with Miracle Girl coming out with organic stuff. Uh huh. What's your take on that? 
they don't they they don't have any experience at organics. They're doing the minimum that they can do to call it organic. I still I'm going to buy Maestro Grow. I'm going to buy Espoma. I'm going to buy uh, Medina. I'm going to reward the people that have been doing it right for years, and I think they're still doing a much better job. Uh, technically, Miracle Grow is producing some organic stuff, but from what I can see, they don't have nearly the number of micronutrients. They just um, they're they're only doing it get to get the word organic on there. Uh, folks like Medina and the other friend Nature's Creation, all those guys are doing it right because they've had a lot of years of experience so yeah i commend miracle grow for making an effort but i'm still going to buy it from the guys that make it their only business instead of just part of their business that's all i needed to hear i was curious i just seen the commercial i mean i use the medina orange oil the medina has to grow the medina growing green fertilizer <laughs> i've got all of that stuff down i was just just kicking it around seeing the commercial and couldn't well i appreciate you bringing it up it's a great question john What's question number three here I can help you with? Um, I still have some weeds in the yard, and I've been uh, fertilized. I put um, fertilizer out two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We got a good rain. I got an inch and a half. Oh, wow. Quarters of rain. Grass came up good. I mowed. uh, But the weeds are still coming back. And I've I've got uh, St. Augustine all in. It's all over the yard. Mm -hmm. And it's it's underneath that big oak tree, kind of away from the fence where I want to put the uh, raised bed. It's out there. And I was curious if I could, you know, start spraying the has to grow on it now and, you know, oh, kind of get a- rid of those. Absolutely. The weeds are going to die. The weeds you're seeing now are going to die out as soon as it gets hot. And so it's a real mixed bag. I don't think any of us are anxious for it to get hot. But as it gets warmer, the the winter weeds are going to die. The St. Augustine's going to flourish. So, uh as they say, be careful what you wish for. In the meantime, just mow them down. You don't need to do any more than that. All right, sir. I appreciate it. What was the name of the boards again that you were talking about? It's called Trex, T-R-E-X. I know Lowe's keeps them in stock. I don't see them much. Uh, you know, I'm, I am I like buying from real lumber yards, but um, I usually don't unless I'm buying in quantity. Uh, Lowe's keeps a number of the Trex boards in stock, the 1x6s, which you're going to be looking for. Uh, and if you ever want, they can order you the two by fours or bigger sizes. And it's basically, it's plastic wood is what it is. It's wood fibers in a, um, you know, in a, a rosin matrix. And like I say, when I first got it for the first time, I was putting it in a greenhouse situation where it stayed constantly wet. And I had to have something that I absolutely knew wouldn't rot. And that's been 20 years, and I've still got chunks of that wood around and uh, might have some algae on it, but it looks exactly the same as it did 20 years ago. So you pay a little more for up front, but you're not not getting the bad chemicals, and it's not going to rot out on you. I can promise you that. Bob, I appreciate it. You have a good rest of your day. You do the same, John. Happy Easter if I don't talk to you for next Sunday. Yes, sir. Same to you. Thank you, sir. All right, next up is going to be Margaret, and good morning, Margaret. Morning, Bob. Morning. Boy, I tell you, we sure dodged a bullet yesterday out here at (laughs) Medina Lake area, my tomatoes. We did get uh, pellet-sized hail, but anyway, ugh. Well, do what I do. I've got those little squares, I don't know, probably... 18, 24-inch squares that sit on top of my tomato cages. And they don't help if that hail's coming at a big angle. But more than Mm -hmm. once, uh, I've seen things around shredded, and the stuff under my little hail caps came through just fine. 
I know. I thought about <laughs> it, but of course, don't get it done. You thought about yeah, it when the hail started coming down. I know. Right. Exactly. Um, my question today, uh, I have a neighbor that wants to grow Mustang grapes, uh-huh. and he has an uh, he has his eye on some down the road. Can you propagate those fairly easily from cuttings? You can, but you need to do it. We really should have taken the cuttings about six weeks ago. Tell him to get his cuttings right now because it's uh, uh-huh. you really want to get that wood that's pencil size or smaller, root them in perlite, and they root best just as they're starting to sprout out. Grapes around my ranch already have pretty good leaves on them, so like I say, I wish we'd been able to tell them to do this about six weeks ago but uh second best times today okay so pencil size or smaller uh or small okay otherwise can you buy them in nurseries i would call fanix if anybody has them they will um okay they're again they're they're our native grape i have two grapes growing on my ranch uh one of them is that little one they call black spanish which is a little bitty super sweet grape and mustangs which are the really big super sour grapes i grew up uh-huh. picking grapes for my grandfather to make jelly and all sorts of other good things out of and grape juice and uh they're just the toughest hardiest grapes out there Ten thousand mockingbirds can't be wrong and uh, so they're worth looking for. Um, just give a call over there. Fanix is 648-1303. And uh, ask okay. for Mark or Mike, and they'll let you know if they have them or they can get them for you. Okay. And what was the other one you said you like, Spanish? Well, the, that's the other one that's growing natively on my property is what they call black Spanish. Um, if okay. I was going to plant a grape, uh, I'm very fond of one called Champanelle. Uh, it is uh-huh. a seeded grape, but it makes very good wine. It makes very good juice. It makes a good table grape, but you deal with do deal with seeds. I've just not found a seedless grape that lasts for very long. They'll all produce for three or four years, and then they fold up and die from Pierce's disease or something else gets them. But uh, the Champanel okay. is the one of the newer hybrids that really does seem to produce well in this area. Huh. Okay. All right. Um, one other quick question. Uh, the white passion vine? Yeah. Is it more cold-hardy than the the purple incense? It is a little more cold-hardy than the incense, but not as cold-hardy as the native passion vine. Okay. Okay. That explains it. Very All good. Right. And so uh, do you have the white? I do. I, I got a cutting from this said neighbor, and it very good. freeze. Uh, yeah, um, it, it's a very good plant, and I have to tell you with some pride that uh, – where that white started is my business uh-huh. partner and I took some cuttings from uh, a vine we found growing when we were out visiting a nursery in Northern uh-huh. California, and nobody had ever uh-huh. seen it in this area. We gave it to uh, one of our friends that propagated and it started it uh-huh. very widely. It's uh, growing. A lot of people are growing it, and it is just one of the prettiest passion vines out mm-hmm. there. But all of those things yeah. came from a handful of cuttings from uh, the Bay Area. So uh, still wow. very happy thoughts thinking about uh, bringing that plant in because it really has uh-huh. turned out to be a good one. Well, good. Thank you for thank you for that. You're welcome, Margaret. Get out and have a good Sunday, and thanks for the call. All right. Okay, it's going to be Elroy and Oscar and Robert and Mark, and Elroy's up first. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are your peaches doing? How has Fredericksburg made it through these chilly mornings the past uh, few weeks? Well, it got most of the early ones, but the others are doing great. They're predicting pretty good crops. Excellent. I'm so happy to hear that. There's just nothing like a good Fredericksburg peach. Well, thanks for the report. How can I help you this morning? 
Is it too? I just want to know whether it's too late to plant the beets. Yes, sir. I, I, it, it's a little late. They will grow, but they're going to be tough as shoe leather. So, uh, I'm, yeah, this, this is middle of April. There are a lot of things you can plant, but, uh, beets are not one of them that I would suggest. Okay, and what was the name of that cucumber that you mentioned earlier? All I can find is the straight eight and uh, the other one that's just like it. Yeah, national pickling and uh, uh, poinsett. Anyway, the the one that is the latest hybrid that is just super productive is called Sweet Success, and uh, that that is an excellent one uh, as far as quality. I probably would put the one called Diva, D-I-V-A, uh, second on the list. And then after that, you get into some others. The name I was trying to remember a minute ago on the smaller cucumber, I always try to grow a few of, is called the Persian Little Fingers Cucumber. But uh, for a pickling size slicing cucumber, um, I think it'd be hard to beat uh, Sweet Success or Diva. They're still the top two on my list. Yeah, the trouble is, <laughs> nurses around here don't carry stuff like and that. And I know, but you know, it's gotten so easy that uh, uh, you can call these folks and uh, and and get them to mail them to you for almost nothing. Um, I'm I'll have to I'll have to see if David's Garden Seed has either of those on their shelf. They're real nice people to deal with that will mail them out overnight uh, here in San Antonio, but. Yeah, we're in the same position. Uh, the Everybody's got the old-fashioned stuff. But the problem with that sweet success is the blasted seeds are about 25 cents a piece. And you put 10 seeds in a package, and all of a sudden, or 20 seeds, whatever, people don't want to pay the price. But uh, if you can find it, sweet success, I think, will be the most productive cucumber you've ever grown. Okay. Okay, that's all I got this morning. Well, you get out and have a wonderful Sunday, Elroy. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Okay, thank thanks you, sir. A lot. Certainly. Bye. Bye. All right, Oscar's next. Good morning, Oscar. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm great. How about yourself? I am doing fine, sir. One question. Okay. I've got a I've got a a Cleveland flowering pear tree in the backyard. Okay. And it's got the, it's come up with this uh, reddish black spots on it. On the leaves? On the leaves, yes. Yeah. It's a little bit of uh, fire blight. Uh, believe it or not, one of the best things you can spray on it is hydrogen peroxide. Um, it's it's probably not a serious problem. You do need to check the base of the tree. Be sure that that root flare is exposed. And be sure you're not pruning on that tree very much because uh, excessive pruning creates a lot of soft, succulent growth, and that's what's um leads to these it may be entomosporum i can't tell you exactly which one of the fungal problems it is but um if you'll spray it uh, just get grocery store hydrogen peroxide dilute it 50 50 with water spray that that probably will stop it as quickly as anything you could use but remember it's uh it's a stress issue and i suspect that tree may be buried a little deeply may have gotten a little too dry over the winter months you get back to good culture get that root flare exposed you'll probably never see the problem again good good to hear that good to hear that i thank you sir for your information well it's always a pleasure to hear from you You have a great sunday after out there it's going to be a gorgeous day and uh 
I wouldn't be caught spinning it inside for any reason <laughs> if I didn't have to. And I know you'll be out in the garden, so have a good day of it. Uh, let's see here. Next up is going to be Mark and then Robert. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Bob. Hey, good morning to you, sir. Two Fredericksburg callers in the same stop set. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our, our late peaches are just loaded, too. Excellent. The um, the sweetest one we have is a white one called Bell of Georgia. Uh-huh. And uh, we have to get up there and, and thin it. It's got a lot on it. So Really? Well, I'm surprised because that's a fairly low-chilling peach, as I recall. So uh, it's, Well, it's eight or 900. Is it? Is one yeah. I haven't grown. I'll have to give it a try sometime. But, yeah. uh well, I'm glad to hear uh, the hummingbirds won't care much about that, but I'm I'm sure us people will be real glad to hear that the Bell of Georgia and others are doing well. Did you say it's a white meated peach like Melba, or is it a yellow yes. peach? White meated, yes. and they, it's it's twice as sweet as any of the others. Yeah, that's the white meated peaches are clingstone or freestone. <clears throat> freestone. Boy, sounds like our one. other our other really good one is actually a long chiller. It's a ranger. Yeah, and it has it has really big peaches, and and most of the years it. It gets caught by a freeze, but this year we're going to have a lot. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. How can I help you guys today? Um, uh, cucumbers, I was going to mention, our favorite is, is a suyo. Yeah, it's suyo like, long is a Japanese cucumber. That's a good cucumber, too. Yes, and it's it's like the Armenian, but the Armenian start turning black when you have them in the refrigerator after a few days. Oh, really? And, the, and this one does not do that. And they get, you pick them at like, 12 to 15 inches yeah. and they're never bitter yeah yeah and the and uh the cabernet grill i sell them to them and they love them because they're they're always crisp they stay crisp you know my experience with suyo is it's a little later to produce but it you're right it is a very good cucumber and uh that's one i need to remember more often there's another there's an english cucumber or two that also do well but uh suyo long is uh is very definitely an excellent cucumber, and it's kind of ridged. It has that little bit, right. doesn't have the smooth skin that so many of the right. pickling cucumbers do. I right. don't know if you can pickle with it. Have you ever tried pickling yes. it? Well, what we do, and actually the, the cucumber is prickly. Yeah. And, and basically when I pick them, I kind of run my fingers down it and, and knock the prickles off. Right. But what we do, we, we found that canning cucumbers they never turn out crispy <laughs> and, and i don't i think it has some i think the commercial people must must have some kind of high speed heat where they heat them fast probably what i do is is i, I put up like we have a spare refrigerator i can about you know 12 or 16 pints mm-hmm. in the late fall and they're still good now they're just still perfectly crisp and everything and just right. keep them in the refrigerator and you're you're making big pickles out of them or are you slicing them up making a sweet pickle out of them um, always a dill and we, uh-huh. we cut them in the bigger ones. I'll split in half the other uh-huh. ones, you know, up to three quarter inch. I just leave as chunks, you know, pieces. I love good culinary reports. <laughs> I yeah, learned some from it, you. It's, it, it's just amazing. I mean, they're still perfectly great now and these make excellent refrigerator pickles. So all the nurseries are going to run out of Suyo logs by noon today. Cause everybody's yeah. going to yeah. go grab them. I appreciate that report and okay. I appreciate the reminder that is a, it is a very good cucumber. And a quick bird thing. The, uh, Wild turkeys are excellent at hiding their nest. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It is astounding. We've we have one at least one or two in the yard every year. There's one right by our front gate, mm-hmm. and you you never know they're there unless you practically run over them and they fly out of the nest. Yeah, you you can sit there with binoculars twenty feet away and you cannot see that turkey under that bush. 
That's it's so funny. Amazing. I we we do I and various friends frequently do an adult eggs, Easter egg hunt. We take uh, those plastic eggs and uh, you know put a scratch off or put a little money in them or other right. things. And I'll never right. forget though, probably eight or ten years ago, somebody actually found out looking for Easter eggs found a wild turkey nest that we had no idea was there. And of course, right. we left it undisturbed, and later on, were rewarded with seeing the hen and. Uh, little pulse after they hatched out but uh nature's just wonderful and wild turkeys while they may not seem too bright they are they're very definitely clever birds right right i think the ben franklin had the right idea we, we might have looked at that one as the and in today's politics it seems even more appropriate that that should be our national bird <laughs> yeah right right the only way we ever found the nest is either i mow over them or the dogs accidentally run on them otherwise right. we just never know but, yeah but and, uh, yeah, um, late yesterday, the hummingbirds were three deep on the feeders. We did 20 quarts yesterday. 20 quarts. It's funny how, you know, and, and, of course, you have so many feeders out, you probably don't have as much problem with the little males wanting to guard the feeders. But those right. of us that only have two or three feeders out, it's they are so territorial during the day. But that last hour of the day, it's like they call a truce, and everybody gets to come eat. So, it's right. uh, another one of those the, another one of those fun things. So you've got over a thousand birds now. You've got most of your summer birds have arrived. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then, well, of course, it, late in the evening they have to all uh, fuel up for the for the night. Yeah, and that's that's why they're they're piled up. Yeah. How how cold did you get last night? Uh, um, th- thirty-eight. Yeah, I had forty-one. Uh, there might have been some frost up there. I was pleased to see no frost around Bernie, but uh, pretty chilly for the middle of April. We've gone from hardware cloth over the tomatoes to uh, to cover over the tomatoes to hardware cloth over the tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think warm weather's probably here to stay now. I I'm I'm going to plant more tomatoes this week myself. Right, right. Oh, one one other quick thing on bird. Have you had your painted bunting show up? You know, I haven't seen one yet this year. Yeah. I um and and they're they have such a distinctive call. I always hear them right, before right. I see them right. and. Uh, no, now that you mention it, I'm, I'm seeing uh, my bluebirds, my eastern bluebirds are back right now, but I have not seen a painted bunting yet. Yeah, we we keep track of about six different birds, and when they arrive and leave, the the blue groceries are due today. Five day, five years in a row, they've showed up on this day. <laughs> well, so, you'll have to give us a report next week yeah. as to whether it happens again. Okay, great, Bob. Okay, you take care. You appreciate hearing from you, Mark. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bye. Oh, gosh, I can't imagine having a 1,000 hummingbirds, but I also can't imagine having to mix 20 quarts of nectar on a daily basis. I say good morning, Robert. Good morning from Corvallis, Montana. Well, you're up in a little bit chillier country this morning. Not so much. It's about the same as San Antonio. Is it really? down to 40 last night. It's 44 right now. But the question is, you've mentioned planting trees in a square hole better than the conventional round hole. Does that depend on the type soil oh absolutely absolutely uh i don't i've i've backpacked i've uh camped some of montana but i if your soils are anything like uh wyoming where i've spent a lot more time no no our soil is what they call carvella silt loam okay the most delicious fertile soil i have ever seen (laughs) in my life they used to raise sugar beets here okay we're in the bitterroot valley about 45 miles below missoula so the soil is it's it's the most wonderful soil you've ever seen. So well, would it make that much of a difference? Make no difference, no difference at all for you. 
okay, good enough, because I've asked the landscapers. We've contracted to have a big barrier of spruce and juniper Mm -hmm. planted along this uh, unpaved uh, street that's next to us. And I mentioned, did do you all ever plant in square holes? And they looked like they looked at me like I was kind of you know <laughs> off beam a little bit. And they said, "Why would we want to make a square hole?" Bob Webster told me that when I lived in Texas seven months and well days ago. And so, as you know, we do not have that beautiful soil, and uh, having that square hole just means that when the roots hit the corner, they'll take off into the surrounding soil. But where you are, no, you dig any shape hole you like. Uh, the other things we talk about all the time, though, are equally valid. We do not ever dig the hole any deeper because right. we don't want that tree to sink. And I would. I would strongly suggest, uh, probably even more important than with our deciduous trees, uh, that mycorrhizal fungus is really important on conifers of all sorts. And uh, the more research uh, we see, the you know the more results we see uh, from inoculating. Now, it may be that your tree source, it may be that they have already inoculated the soil, and as long as they've, they have, yeah, yeah, as they're, long they're as locally. Saplings that they're grown right here in the valley, but I was thinking about putting some Medina soil conditioner down. But our soil is so is so friable now. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that I would probably sink to my knees <laughs> if I walked out. In. Well, it's not going to really change the texture of your soil. It will in cha- it will change the microbial content. But ask your ask your supplier there if they have used the mycorrhizae because uh, uh, that's where it, the the benefits of this really came to light fell over in uh, uh, North Carolina professor working with some folks over in Scandinavian countries and they were losing when they were planting their conifers they were planting 100 trees and losing 99 out of them when they started using the mycorrhizae they had virtually 100 percent survival and while it's good on probably 85 to 90 percent of the plants in the world the conifers it makes a huge difference and uh so ask your supplier if they've used it. If not, it's very inexpensive. Uh, there's some folks uh, we visited with some people at a nurseryman show in Oregon last year that are right up in that area, and uh, you'll find some good close to home folks. And you'd be looking at probably five cents a tree to inoculate the root balls on those, and it's sure worth doing. I shall. The other thing is, I'm going to plant some purple hull peas. Mm-hmm. I've ordered uh, a, a pea from it. Victory Seeds over in uh, in Oregon, and, right. and the seed is called a quick pick. It's a small bush-type purple mm-hmm. hull pea, yeah. and its maturity date is 60 days. I'm thinking I might can get three plantings. I've, uh, no one up here has ever raised purple hull peas. Again, they look at me like I'm a, an alien or something. <laughs> what, what, purple, what is this? That We know about black eye, but not purple hull, but sure. I'm going to convince these folk out here these mountain folks that purple hull peas are the best pea that ever that ever uh, ever grown on this earth well i i hope they will do as well for you there and and be as good a quality as we have grown them here in the southern part of the country that's another one it's a different product but uh unless anybody's grown legumes in that spot before uh, i would inoculate that seed with the uh, the yeah that should make a big difference for you milk mm-hmm. and then sprinkle the the uh, powder or the, or the, or the, or the spores yeah. on, onto it and it seems to adhere to the to, oh, the, yeah. to the seed better. great plan yeah great and plan I'm prepping for that emerson arkansas 
Purple Hull Pea Shelling Contest the last weekend in June. <laughs> I've mentioned that to you before, but before I croak or stroke, I shall compete. I am very good at shelling peas. So, Bob, we'll see you in Emerson, Arkansas. That sounds like a great plan, Robert. And uh, you enjoy that beautiful country up there. It's, uh, you know, it's just a very special part of the world. I know you don't want to talk about it too much. You'll have too many folks come join you. but uh, That's fine if they come up here and don't try to change things. Unfortunately, uh, Montana is like Texas. People are moving in from other locations that that have drank some sort of Kool-Aid, I think, but they want to change everything exactly the way it was where they left. Why should they leave? Uh, you so, know, they they want to they want to get away from their problems, but they want to bring their problems with exactly. them. So, so uh, I have no problem with anybody coming in. Just assimilate and, and enjoy this wonderful country. And maintain that it's mountain spirit. Way. That's what it's all about, Robert. Have a great Sunday, and uh, I appreciate Bye. the call this morning. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Bye. Bye. All right, uh, from Montana to uh, this part of the world. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, Bob. How morning, are you sir. doing today? I'm great, thank you. How about you? Good, good, good. Had a um, pleasure of visiting nursery and actually speaking to you for a while. There was oh, actually, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I, I totally forgot when I was um, <clears throat> when I was there. I, I know you, you know lately you've been speaking, or you know maybe actually it's just lately now I've been listening <laughs> that um, <clears throat> you the, I, I believe it's a spinifed that um, you should dispose of after six months because of the. No, no. Spinosad keeps for a long time. It's the neem oil, uh, which is made from a Brazilian tree. Neem goes bad on you after about six months. But spinosad, as long as you don't get it super hot, probably has a four or five year shelf life. Okay. So as a rule of thumb, um, you know, I have a gardening cabinet, you know, full of all of the um, all of that stuff. Right. Right. So as a rule of thumb to uh, keep it three to five years or is it? Best to, I, I, I'm sure it's probably best to, you know, at least put a month and year on uh, when you purchased it. I will. Um, yeah, I think that's important, and uh, I sincerely hope that you don't have to use it very often, and therefore it sits there a long time. But, uh, you right. know, it's kind of like seeds. Uh, they will keep for a while, but every year they lose a little bit of their germination. They lose a little bit of their effectiveness. So, um, if a, if a container has been sitting there two thirds empty for a couple of years, I'm probably going to buy a new one. If it's uh one that I use only very occasionally like BT products, BT products probably have a shelf life of 30 years. So, uh, I'm not, right. not rushing out to replace those, but uh, the most important thing is simply know which ones keep and which ones don't. Spinosad's one of those that, uh, probably about a four to five year shelf life. I still miss old Barney Graham was uh, a good friend, Alton Graham's brother. And that, Barney and I would sit down periodically and talk about the shelf life on various uh, of the different products. And uh, I don't have that resource to go to and ask that I once did. But uh, Spinosad, being derived from a natural soil bacteria, it's going to be stable a little bit longer than some other things. So, so for a person like me that can't remember, especially plant <laughs> things as long as you can, um, 
Is there a little cheat sheet or something for for all of that that you got you folks have? Or? No, no, just uh, just call if you have a question. Do like you're okay. doing. Keep that old waterproof sharpie out there and make a note yeah. on the bottle. But the the only really short lived one out there is neem. It is important to store things at room temperature. Don't leave them out in the garden shed where it gets to 125 degrees in July. But stored at room temperature. Uh, most all of your fertilizers, the handful of pesticides that you may need, they're going to have shelf lives of at least uh, three or four years. Uh, just the name's the one that doesn't. So uh, if you ever have a question, call. We're always there to help you. You know where to find me other days or where you find some of our good staff. So if you can't get through on Saturday or Sunday, we'll always be there to help you when you need us. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. That, that, that was good to know. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Kevin. Thanks for the call mm-hmm. this morning. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Let's get back to these phone lines. Robin is up first. Good morning, Robin. Good morning again. You got I got cut off last time because of your um, advertising. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that news break. Have to hit that one on the second. What else can I help you with? Oh, okay. Um, I had lots of Monarch caterpillars on my tropical milkweed right it was incredible i mean i've never seen so many monarchs come through i guess it was about mid-march uh-huh. and then about the first of april i was finding caterpillars galore right but anyway so they stripped absolutely stripped my tropical milkweed mm-hmm. no leaves and where are the chrysalises i don't know where they went well, you know, they are around, um, but uh, it's they're relatively good at hiding them out. You know, they make a little bit different chrysalis from what many butterflies do, but uh, I've had a number of people, in fact, everybody walks through the nursery, seems like they want to pull out their phone and show me their ones that are just half developed and uh but i don't know anybody that's seeing as many crystal what is it crystal i don't know if that's a proper plural or not but one of the sad things is i worry that some of those caterpillars don't have enough food you know to really complete uh the growth they need to get before they can form the chrysalis, and I'm encouraging people, and as soon as the seed pods are out there, I've spent some more time roaming around the far portions of my ranch and am finding a huge number of the native milkweeds, the antelope horns in particular, out there that are already starting to bloom. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to bring in a whole bunch of seed pods just to give away because... You know, we're limited, and right now we as nursery people have trouble finding enough of the milkweed plants because we're just not going to buy from people that may spray. And you're one of many people. We had four or five people in the nursery yesterday showing us pictures of totally stripped milkweed saying, what am I going to feed my caterpillars? And uh, I guess you can always go out. You could probably go to one of the parks. Probably don't tell them I said this, but if you go to Harburger Park or something like that, you will probably find some of the native milkweed just growing wild there. And, you know, don't don't denude the plants, but uh, get yourself a bag of leaves to take home to give your caterpillar something to eat. And sometime mm-hmm. later this spring, try to get some of the native milkweed planted because, uh, um, I just, you know, again, if I'm going to far into the ranch, I'm usually driving my gator and, uh, I, I just couldn't find a place to drive. <laughs> I just got out and walked, which of course is a good thing too. But the, the milkweed was so thick, I didn't dare drive through it. So I hope by this time wow. next year, you can tell me you have a lot of native milkweed growing as well as a tropical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll sure try. And when you 
I'll be anxious for you you to get some something else in. Well, I'll yeah. I'll let you know when the pods start ripening. I'll just on my days off, I'll just pick a bucket of them and bring in, and just uh, anybody wants to come pick up a pod or two because probably two or three hundred seeds in every one of those seed pods. So do my very best to uh, to spread them far and wide this spring. I have some Asclepias speciosa mm-hmm. seeds from. Uh, the northwest from Idaho. I've moved from Idaho, and we go up there all the time. But I brought back a bunch of seeds. But I, how would that do down here? I you know, know, I don't know that one. Tuberosa is the one that so many people promote, and it does poorly here. I've tried it, and it lasts for a year, and uh, and then those big tuberous roots rot out. I mean, I've seen it growing in Pennsylvania, not seen that much of it. But you say yours is speciosa. Uh huh. The speciosa. It's a common milkweed up in the northwest. Very common. All I can Every tell year. you is try it and see. I haven't yeah. growing it, so I haven't grown it, so I really can't tell you on that one. But hey, it's you don't nothing to lose. Give it a try. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just keep hoping something happens from all these wonderful caterpillars. Well, I'm sure it will. You know, I heard yesterday that uh, this is the first year in quite a few that they're actually seeing an increase in monarch numbers rather than a decrease. So good things are happening, yeah. and it's because of people like you that are providing them with a safe habitat and providing them with a source for their larvae to feed on. So keep up the good work. Yeah, okay, thank you. You're All welcome, right, Robin. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Kathy's next, then it'll be Carla. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. I live outside of Bernie, and I wanted to plant uh, some Nandina. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, right out off of my porch, and it gets full sun. I want to do three on each side. But I didn't know which would be better to go with, the Gulf Stream or maybe the Compacta. Uh, I don't want it to get, you know, six eight foot tall i just want it to be a little ornamental um i would go with the compacta i've had much better luck than i have with the gulf stream and be sure that you can control it um the the compacta is a really good plant but in deference to my native plant society friends uh nandina can become invasive if you allow the bird the uh, seeds to get spread too widely so uh, toward the end of the season, I would clip off and dispose of any seeds that it does produce. But I think compact is going to be one that will get to four to five feet, will stay full pretty much from the ground up. I love the fact that they're deer resistant, and I have them in my own yard, and I have no problem with them spreading outside. So it's one of those things. Uh, I would never plant Japanese ligustrum there, but I'm not opposed to Nandina, even though in some areas people consider them invasive. But as uh, long as you do your part to just be sure you don't have seeds everywhere, I have no problem. And I think uh, I think Compacta will be a, a better, more dependable plant for you than the Gulf Stream will. And uh, so the difference in the two as far as the look and how pretty they get red, yellow in the fall, mm-hmm. it would be the same with the compacta? Pretty much the same. The Gulf Stream, I think, has a little bit of the atropurpureum in its background, which means the leaves are a little curlier, but it also means they don't tolerate our alkaline soil as well. Oh. And if you have anywhere that you want a really dwarf one, one that stays down 12 to 15 inches, you're going to have find that you have a choice between Harbor Dwarf and Harbor Bell. In that case, Harbor Dwarf is going to be uh, the best one for you where you're looking for a super short one. But where you want one that's going to be four feet or so, I think your compact is going to be the best selection. Okay, and they won't get spindly down at the stalk at the bottom? Long as, it gets, yeah, as long as they get good sunlight, they're going to be fine. 
Okay, very good. Thank which, you very much. Which direction are you from, Bernie? Uh, we're uh, all the way out Johns Road. Uh, okay. okay. We're dead ends. Yeah, well, you're up there where in the lower areas you'll have some good soil. You're just across the ridge from me. I'm over on 46, a uh, little ways out. But uh, you should find some good soil, and they should do very well for you there. Okay, very good. Thank you. You're sure welcome. Thank all you, right. Kathy. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, let's get Carla in here before the news. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. Good morning. I um, <laughs> I have a, uh, a a short account from Kansas of the um, freezing weather and a question about um, what to do with fruit trees. Um, my dad's been gardening the same area for about seventy years, but of course the fruit trees are not that old. But <laughs> they were blooming full full and beautiful pear, apricot, and peach, and he had told me about that and said, I hope it doesn't freeze. And then last, the end of this last week, it got down to 30, and he told me mm-hmm. he had a plan if it did, and he was going to try it. So he started at 2.45 a.m. and went out every 15 minutes and sprayed with a fine spray mm-hmm. um, on a lot of the branches on five different trees, hoping to... Um, keep it just a little warmer and it never got down below 30 or maybe 29 yeah and um, that shouldn't be a problem came out yeah well my question is is there any kind of follow-up i mean he said he said i may have done more harm than good but <laughs> no i don't think I, you've done harm but i like to eat the fruit plus sure. his dedication i'm just wondering if there's anything to keep those trees I mean, besides what he usually does to keep to keep the fruit on those trees. No, I would just be sure that if we don't get rain, you water thoroughly. I think spraying with some liquid seaweed would help. Uh, but 29, 30 degrees, that's not a problem. When it gets down to 25 and stays there, that could be a problem. But I don't think you're going to have any problems at all. Little foliar feeding with any good organic fertilizer, little spray with uh, liquid seaweed, is going to uh, be a big help as far as developing good fruit. But, no, either they froze or they didn't. At those kind of temperatures, I don't think we had any problem at all. So um, just sit back, give them good care, and about uh, 30, 40 days from now, hopefully we'll be producing some good fruit. Okay, well, that's good news. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carla.